Coming up on tonight's Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, we talk with Bucky's fifth quarters, Owen Reese, down in Mobile, Alabama, site of the Senior Bowl. Have former Wisconsin Badgers Corey Clement and Vince Beagle improve their draft stock during Senior Bowl practices? We'll ask him that and much more coming up in just a second on the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. Great evening here. Got a little bit of snow here in southern Wisconsin the past couple of days. Dug out of that, made some, uh, my wife and the family made some snow castles uh, out of that with some buckets. A lot. So I uh, got a little bit of snow over here in Madison. Uh, this is Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. We got a fun show. Like I said, coming up in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, we're going to have Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Acme's Pack, Acme Packing Company, to discuss what's been going down in Mobile, Alabama. We'll talk to him about what he's seen out of former Wisconsin Badgers, Corey Clement out of former Wisconsin Badgers outside linebacker Vince Beagle, along with other Big Ten and another big noteful, uh, you know, hopefuls. There's been some uh, impressive players down there in the Senior Bowl, Reese's Senior Bowl, which is on Saturday. Uh, you guys can watch uh, Beagle and Clement along with tons of others then. Uh, we'll talk about just who he thinks could fit the bill for the Green Bay Packers as well so but uh, we'll also dive into the royal rumble talk it is this weekend uh and uh, i'm looking forward to it i think it's my favorite pay-per-view just because of the sheer badness of what's going on what's going to going to happen inside that ring with 20 some odd men uh trying to throw each other over the top rope so we'll have some fun discussing that but you know first off you know we got the post rifle scott wisniewski here happy thursday to you sir weeks gone by extremely fast but uh, so did the Packers' chances on Sunday afternoon against the Atlanta Falcons, where quickly down 14 nothing, and you know, and it just piled on from there. Missed opportunities with possible takeaways, missed field goal to start the game was a bad omen for the Packers' offense, and, and a fumble, and uh, every bounce inconceivably went Atlanta's way. But on top of that, Atlanta just flat out uh -huh. dominated them offensively. Julio Jones made the secondary look like a sieve. Uh, Scott, a uh, rough way to end the season, especially after an uptick uh, that they had. Well, yeah, yeah, it was a rough way to end the season. But, you know, there's a couple things you got to look at. And, you know, it's certainly not going to make excuses for the way they played because they played poorly. But um, you be they became one-dimensional because they had to be. They had a missed field goal. They had a fumble in the red zone. Now you get and, and they had a takeaway all in those first uh, quarter and a half. They've had a missed takeaway. Now, if all those things happen, quite conceivably the Packers could have been up or going into a, a driving late in the half with a chance to go up in that game. Now it didn't happen. They ended up having to abandon the run. They became one-dimensional. They lost. The defense couldn't stop anybody. I don't think if the game was close at halftime, they still would have won the game, but it would have been a little bit more respectable. Um, but the bounces didn't go their way. And really, really good teams can overcome some of that when, you know, well-balanced teams, teams that are, are strong in all three phases, could have, you know, handled a few of those things that didn't work out. There were a couple of the missed interceptions and whatnot. But the Packers weren't that. You know, we talked about it on, on Thursday. I said the Packers could win this game only if they're able to get pressure on Matt Ryan, to get in his face, to hit him a couple of times. They didn't come close to him. And it really made a difference in the game, I think. It did. And... You know, Ryan threw 392 yards, four touchdowns, 27 to 38, very efficient. Uh, you know, Rodgers, on the other hand, 27 to 45 for 287 with three touchdowns and an interception. 
and when you don't have when you can't get that pressure on, on Ryan, uh, you just take a look at some of these numbers. I mean, Julio Jones obviously was the big target, nine receptions, 180 yards, two touchdowns, including that 73 yarder that uh, really was just kind of the uh, the emotional microcosm of, of the Packers secondary this year. Uh, with this game continually knocked down, uh, but that was due to injuries more than anything. And you, it's it's the team obviously, and there you know we won't dwell too much on this, uh, just because you know it's been a few days past, and I'm sure people are, are now looking towards the future. Uh, but you know it, it's it's a it's a rough loss, and a lot of people had momentum on on the Packers side just because of just their their winning streak. What they felt, having the fact that when you're hearing on Sunday morning that Jordy Nelson's going to go out to play, maybe let's focus on the one positive there. Like Jordy Nelson, I mean, six receptions, 67 yards, a touchdown, getting open still, playing with two, you know, two couple broken ribs, right? Like, you know, talking about positive, talk about an Iron Man and the fact that going out there and getting a, what, some sort of special Kevlar vest uh, to protect those ribs. Uh, and when you could tell him in pain during the game, but still went out there, uh, and even Aaron Rodgers got choked up about it. Uh, yeah. Amazing, you know. Gotta give credit where credit's due on that end, but uh, you know, for a guy that to try to put himself out on the line when he's, gosh, I don't even know how percent healthy he was. Uh, right. You know, it, it, it was a great effort by the you know the former Kansas State walk-on. Now you know, now all pro. It, it yeah, to me that was that was that one of the major positives from the game, if maybe the only one. Yeah, it, it was really the only one because you know the other white elephant in the room, and it was addressed a little today. And, and you know, there's there's some people who disagree with this stance that I'm going to take, but it is, in my opinion, time for Dom Capers to be out of Green Bay. Now I know he's not the one who covers the guys. I know the secondary was banged up, and the ones that played were subpar. I understand that, okay? And I know that even bad secondaries can look good if you're able to get some pass rush, and they didn't. And I understand that. What I've, My biggest beef with Dom Capers has been twofold. One is I have a perception that the modern game has passed him by, you know, that the game that he was the defensive guru, again, that game doesn't exist anymore. It's a different game. That being said, I've been a big critic of the lack of in-game changes that are made. And you can sit there, people said, well, how were they going to play man if they couldn't play zone? But the problem was in the zone, it looked like guys were getting confused. And let's be honest, Atlanta scored on all but one of their possessions until the, the basically give up possessions at the end. Right. So could playing so could playing man defense have been any worse? No, I, I, I mean, I don't think they got to try it, but I mean, it also goes back to how comfortable those, the personnel is when I'm going up there and being confused. I mean, it could be just the personnel not understanding coverages, but I, I think they would. They've, but so I'm the, right. I'm, not, I'm not sure, man. Like they could have tried it, but I just don't, if you're not putting pressure on Ryan, I, I guess that's my other thing. Like if you're not putting pressure on Ryan, you're not, uh, and I don't know those players strengths. Let me just say that again too. Like, I don't know exactly what those players strengths are. Uh, and, and and I don't think Dom Capers does either. But, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I just don't know, uh, you know, what – and here's the thing. You have guys that should be your third and fourth cornerbacks in there. And, okay. you know, I, I, that's another thing where, you know, like you know, Gunter is a, a great, you know, story and coming from okay. Miami, led the team in tackles with six. Uh, that's awesome. But it was also one of those things where – you know, obviously the the injury to Sam Shields hurt. You have the yeah, you know, but I that know. happened early, right. man. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know, and I agree with that part. I'm just saying, like, and it's something where I mean, it's a chicken or the egg argument, right? Is it that you know the defense, you know, Don Capers running this, and I do agree with the notion that there might there needs to be possibly a new voice to help this defense out, right? You need new personnel that you know maybe or not not new. That's my other argument. Don Capers, you know, same old voice for X number of years. McCarthy hinted that it seems like his job's safer right now. Yeah, you know? it is, which which is crazy. And Tom Clements is leaving, parting ways. I believe right. that was a mutual firing. But but let me just ask you this, too, okay? Right. Let's, let's think back a little bit, too. Because, again, I know those guys are third stringers. They also – and I understand it that, that Tulio Jones and, and Sanu are tough. But to have 15 yards of green – 
between them and 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 the the guy they're covering. I, I don't care. Fifth string, sixth string, twelfth string. You played in college for Christ's sake. So you give me a break. But anyway, remember when Casey Hayward was here and he had a good rookie year. He had six interceptions. Then uh, missed a lot of time his second season. Third season he didn't start. Um, fourth season he started eleven games. But many people just you know. People had an okay opinion on him. They didn't think he was great. He left for San Diego. They said, yeah, we're not going to miss him, right? Right. Okay, so he goes out, uh, leads the AFC or top three in the AFC in interceptions with seven. And I, and I ask myself, well, why wasn't that the Casey Hayward we in 2016? That we, Why didn't we get that in 2013, 14, and 15? Maybe he just got coached better in San Diego. Again, to my point – I think it's time. And the great Steve Hayward, great Steve Hayward, Hayward and Haywood, the great Steve Haywood, not Casey Hayward, said to me many times, his, his saying that sticks with me, you know, Dom Capers, it might not be his fault, but it's his problem. And the defense has been a problem since he's been here. You can point to injuries, but that you can only use that so much. Yeah, Clay Matthews stunk this year. Okay, cool. Um the defensive tackles were great, but they didn't have any strong ends. Great. The inside linebackers were young and sketchy at best at times. Fine. Make all the excuses you want, but every year there seems to be more excuses to defend this, uh, to defend Dom Keeper's job. All the way up to, of course, the, the most common whipping boy in Green Bay history, Ted Thompson. Well, it's got to be Ted Thompson. If Ted Thompson would just get the players that fit this scheme – well, then it would be a whole different story. Uh, who knows? Maybe if you would make a switch and we'd get a, diff- diff- a different coordinator out there, maybe you'd find out that maybe it was the scheme. Yeah, maybe it was the coaching. Maybe the right players are there and they're not being utilized. I'm not saying that's the case, but we're so willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, it's, it's, it's definitely because of lack of talent. How do we know that? Right. I think the um... – when you when you're working with this team and just I, I know you're getting at with that I, I don't know I just the person and let me just say Ted Thompson's tried to tried to do stuff right and and and, and let me say I don't think a lot of people in high I mean obviously hindsight's twenty twenty now and, and Casey Hayward had a, a great year at uh, down in, in San Diego uh, and, mm-hmm. and having some great interceptions there. Uh, but, you know, you took a look. I know Pro Football Focus had a, a graphic up that showed, you know, you had Quinton Rollins and, uh, you know, and, and Randall for that matter. I mean, they're, the pass ratings against them were am- amazing last season, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, it, so then they go into the sophomore slump. And obviously that's due to the fact that, you know, uh, you know Randall had injuries this year uh, and then was inconsistent throughout. And then you had, uh, you know, Rollins go through a sophomore slump too, and and you had Sam Shields knocked out, uh, you know, for for most of the season. Fine. So, but I, I know, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, that's why I'm saying with Hayward, I'm kind of like, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty there, because I can guarantee you, people were like, oh well, these rookies played out of their mind last year. This is fine, you know, like okay, you know, they they have to, to pick their battles. Uh, if they probably should have kept Hayward, I'm sure they could have gotten well, for a good deal, but of course, and 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 you know, you, we obviously what we found out in this modern day, which again makes me feel like the game is passing Dom Capers by. It's almost like starting pitching in baseball. You can never have enough defensive backs. You can never have enough. There's no such thing in my mind in the NFL nowadays as having an embarrassment of riches. I, I just don't think there can ever be too few good cornerbacks and nickelbacks on on, on, a, on an NFL team anymore. So all the more reason why if he was undervalued, that was foolish by everybody involved. I, again, I, I, I somebody can prove me wrong, and I'm not going to sit here and look up numbers. And but tell me a coach, tell me a defensive coach that was as beleaguered as Dom Capers has been, that has lasted as long as Dom Capers has. Find me that guy, you know. And again, co- I mean, player, coaches are hired to be fired, and and it's not all a hundred percent on him. But he's been overseeing. Look, let's take sports out of it. How many people do you know that work in 
industries, whether it's factories or agencies or whatever. And and the, under their watch, their team, their group underperforms for seven years. What usually happens to that manager? Right, they get uh, they're the scapegoat. They're right, ghost, others like that. Yeah. So I just. I, I understand loyalty. I'm glad the Packers are loyal to to a degree, but in the case of Dom Capers, I think they're loyal to a fault, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, real quick, kind of looking, you, you touched base on it before we get to Owen Reese in just a few minutes. Real quick on some things that McCarthy touched on. Head coach Mike McCarthy said in his uh, season-ending press conference today. Just uh, reading off of Packers Twitter. Ty Montgomery, he's going to be a running back. He wants to change his number, and that's the way that they're going. Sam yeah. Shields uh, needs to get healthy for himself and his family. That's the primary focus right now. I don't think Sam Shields will play another down in the NFL, at least not in the green and gold. He won't be a Packer, yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, Eddie Lacy, uh, love to see him back is what he'd say. Uh, if they right price is the next thing, uh, obviously. I don't think I don't think there's any chance of Eddie Lacy being a Packer, even for the right price. I've seen this. First of all, I, I don't think McCarthy values him or wants him there as much as 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 he would want. I also think that there, I've seen it many many times where players, even if it's for good reason, will take less money from a different team than they would from the team that they were part of. They don't like to take the hometown. They, they feel disrespected. I don't think Lacey's back as a Packer either. I don't think Montgomery's the answer. I think he's a fine compliment, but they're going to need to address the running game. They're going to need to address pass rushing. They're going to need to address the secondary again um, and add some pieces there. Uh, I thought it was funny. I loved how Mike McCarthy played dumb uh, when he was asked about, well, do you think a couple free agents could have helped this team get over the hump? And, his response was somewhere along the lines, I don't know what you mean. or Yeah, okay, Mike, we get it. You're not going to throw your GM under the bus. but And, again, I don't know that that was the answer either because, listen, when Ted Thompson's gone, whether he retires this year or next year whatever it is, and the next guy comes in and he's a little bit more spendy on free agents and those guys don't pan out or they get hurt or they don't fit the scheme, I don't want to hear the complaining from the Pack fans saying, well, this guy's wasted money on, on uh, uh, free agents. I mean, because you know how fickle and and uh, like the wind a lot of fans can be. So we'll see what the new guy does whenever that new guy ends up taking the reins. Um, but anyway, um, right. and then, of course, you know, there'll be a change at offensive coordinator Tom Clemens. Interesting to find out what Aaron Rodgers feels about that because um, you never know. Certain coaches, assistant coaches, usually are closer to the star players than the head coach. So, uh those are really the highlights I thought, unless there's something you thought was interesting. Those were the main points I took out of the uh, presser today. Yep, yeah, and it should be interesting to see how, uh, what goes there. Was Clements offensive coordinator or was he just associate head coach? Well, he was the associate head coach, but, I mean, I know we call him the off- I mean, Edgar Bennett technically, I mean, let, let's be honest. Mike McCarthy runs that offense, right. okay? But as it's, a, like Paul, it's like Paul Chris saying he's the head coach of Wisconsin, but in, and Joe Rudolph's a great offensive coordinator, but really, I mean, Chris is calling plays and, and Chris Correct. is, yeah, gotcha. Correct. So Tom Clements was kind of like assistant head coach, but also quality control uh, coach on the offense, you know. So who knows what that's all about. If if he does really just want a different gig somewhere else, if there's friction between McCarthy and Tom Clements, um I, I don't know. Like I don't. I don't really know the full story. And and like I said, I don't know how close Clements was to uh, Aaron Rodgers because again, certain assistant coaches sometimes have better relationships than um, the head coaches do with with some of the top players. But it's just it's interesting that he's the one. And I don't have any inside knowledge that um, the Packers forced him out. It's a gut feeling of mine. I don't have anything to back that up. I don't have a source that's confirming it. Um, but it was almost the same way I thought Dom Capers would depart. He'd be forced out, but instead of making it look like he was fired, Dom Capers would decide it in his upper 60s that he wanted to spend more time with his family or whatever that case may be. Yep. Uh, and, you know, talking about the future and, and who the, the Packers could be looking at, uh, senior bowl is a prime way. Ted Thompson was down there earlier this week. We're going to take a quick break, come back with Owen Reese from 
Bucky's Fifth Quarter and Acme Packing Company. He is down in Mobile, Alabama, soaking in the sun, taking in the rays, and watching uh, some future NFL players trying to improve their stock uh, with NFL personnel. So take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Welcome back to Bucky's Fifth Quarter, the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. We've got the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski. We've got my, myself, Jacob Korowski, and we have on the phone with us now, down in Mobile, Alabama, hopefully enjoying warmer weather compared to what we've had to endure here with some snowstorms over the past couple of days. We've got Owen Reese. Owen, how is Mobile right now? Oh, uh, well, a lot of the locals are complaining because it's like 50, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> uh, with that, you are down. You've covered the Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, and uh, besides the interesting-looking jerseys uh, for for what you'll see on Saturday, uh, what in terms of you know obviously there are two Wisconsin Badgers down there, Corey Clement and Vince Beagle. Let's start with Corey first, and let's talk with him. What uh, what have you seen uh, out of Corey? In his development, you know, or what he's progressed with earlier this week, you've seen some other analysts talking about how he's performed pretty well. What did you see from the former Wisconsin running back today uh, today and the past two days? Uh, well, today, actually, uh, they did quite a bit of work out of uh, in the passing game. It's a lot of stuff out of shotgun, which Corey didn't do much uh, at Wisconsin. Uh, the first day, I said he was probably the most impressive the first day. Uh, they only had shoulder pads on. But he, I mean, physically he looked apart. Uh, he's much bigger than the other two backs on the North roster. Um, yesterday or, or the Tuesday, the second day, uh, or Wednesday, excuse me, the second day, he, uh, I, I don't know if he regressed so much as maybe the other two backs, uh, Kareem Hunt from Toledo and Devian Smith from Michigan, uh, I think played a bit better than they had, uh, the first day. Like, he looks the part, um, there have been multiple times where he's been hit in the backfield and the defenders kind of bounced off, um, which a little bit with a grain of salt. They're not necessarily told to go, you know, violently tackle the ball carrier in practice um, in this environment. But for what it's worth, I mean, he's looked, he's, he's ran with a lot of balance uh, and he hasn't been uh, easy to go down. So that's been uh, encouraging. And, and also I think he's improved quite a bit throughout the week in pass protection, uh, which is his major um, flaw, I'd say at the moment, uh, it's about the only thing that he doesn't do, um, at least at an NFL level right now. Yeah. Along those same lines, you know, I, I've been reading a couple different people's views of some of the top 10 and top 15, top 20 players that are down in the, in the senior bowl. And, you know, not a lot of people have mentioned, uh, Vince Beagle's name as well. What are your impressions of, of, of him so far, what you've been able to see? And you kind of parlay that into what you think uh, the future is for him at the next level and, and what do you see uh, – where do you see him maybe getting drafted and, and his role somewhere in the NFL? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, he's been extremely um, – just like he was at Wisconsin, he's extremely uh, energetic a lot. He's, he's bubbly. Um, he's talking a lot. He's chirping. He's talking to the coaches. He's hopping around, uh, being very energetic and having a high a high motor. Um, that's the first thing you notice. Uh, he's played pretty well. Um, the weird thing about the North outside linebackers is that they're all basically pass rushers. Um, but for the sake of the week, they basically have everyone just run a 43. So it's a little bit different. Uh, they've had a lot of these outside linebacker guys dropping in coverage more than they normally do. Uh, and quite a few guys have looked really out of place doing it. Uh, but Beagle's looked pretty passable. Um, in pass rush, he's looked pretty good. There, there are times where he flashes. Uh, today he beat, uh, I believe it was Zach Banner from USC, uh, on a pretty nice spin move inside. Um, that was impressive. However, uh, there was another instance where he just he can't turn the corner sometimes. Uh, so that's, that's a bit alarming. Uh, other than that, he looked pretty good, I think. The NFL, so he's he and Watt are going to be seen in a similar light. I think Watt is the more popular or the more uh, sexy name at this point, um, and I think Watt will probably go higher, but I probably wouldn't be surprised at all if Beagle has a better NFL career. 
Um, I think he's going to get drafted. I think somewhere like Seattle would be a really good situation for him or, or a team that runs that 43-under uh, defense. Somewhere like Atlanta runs a similar scheme to where they can play him up at the line of scrimmage and he can kind of just be a bully to tight end uh, and other stuff. And, and he is a good uh, run defender on the edge, so I think that would be a good spot for him. There are a lot of times where as good of a player as he is and as good of an athlete as he is, he is wildly out of control. Um, and we saw that a lot when he would pass rush at UW. He would get to uh, he'd get past the offensive lineman and he would go flying past the quarterback without the ability to really slow down and break down and get a sack. Um, so I think him playing closer to the line of scrimmage negates that a little bit. Uh, and where while he could still have that issue, um, it won't be – off the ball, five yards, and, and more coverage. Uh, so I think that's probably a good um, a good system for him. I think he can play in a 43 or a 34, excuse me, uh, as an outside linebacker, play that edge defender. He'd have to gain a bit of weight to do that, but I think he could uh, he could do it. And I think um, just like at UW, um, he'll carve out a pretty nice special teams career for himself as well, uh, just like I said, just due to the effort and, and physicality he plays with. Sure, sure. I'm let me ask you one other question. Sorry. Uh, and I always like Jake always brings things back to Badgers and I always bring things back to the Packers. It says we're kind of the yin and the yang. But I just want to get your impression on three guys that you've seen play this year that may or may not be uh, available when the Packers draft. White, the cornerback from LSU, Lewis, of course, from Michigan, and a safety, Desmond King from Iowa. Have any of these three guys stood out in your mind? And are these three guys that uh, people who are draft Knicks should have their eyes on as the draft starts to get close? Um, if I had to rank them, uh, I think Tredavious White is, is first. Um, he, he was playing very well. He in, injured his ankle yesterday. So he will not be playing in the game, uh, and he did not practice today. But he did look very good. He didn't look out of, out of place at all. Um, again, it's the higher competition. And I think he would probably be uh, the highest on the list. Um, Desmond King has been exposed quite a bit this year, and uh, especially this week, uh, he lacks the deep speed uh, to play. Kind of, and we saw, as we saw with Ladarius Gunter, the Packers can draft slower, more physical corners, but that can be exposed. Um, yeah. So uh, he'd probably be second. And then Jordan Lewis. So I think he came in at five ten or five eleven. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but so the Packers threshold. Uh, for corners is five ten and three eighths. So if he's under that, they'll take him off their board altogether. Um, so and and he truthfully has struggled a bit this week also. Um, so ultimately, I think uh, Ted Thompson will probably take a defensive lineman in the first round um, due to the inability that the Packers couldn't get out of nickel uh, late in the playoffs just due to lack of personnel up front. Yep. But. Um, if I had to prioritize them, it would be White, King, and then Lewis, third, for the Packers. Yeah, and I think I think White wouldn't even be available by the time the Packers pick. But I just thought I'd throw it out there anyway. Sorry, Jake. Go go ahead. Oh no, I was just I was just re uh, resetting the conversation with Owen Reese here from Acme's Packing Acme Packing Company and Bucky's Fifth Quarter. You can you guys follow him, by the way. Now you gained some followers this week, which is good for you, buddy. Uh, at Reese Draft, R-I-E-S-E Draft, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, of course, you can find him on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We're going to get up his day three notes in just about 20 minutes or so. Uh, you know, and I guess, too, you know, Owen, you, you know, it's going back to kind of with Packers, uh, but just in general, like, who's, who really stood out this week in your eyes between the North and the South practices? Um, well, he was only here one day. Uh, he got injured quickly, but Forrest Lamp uh, from Western Kentucky, I think he lived up to the hype. Uh, he did come in with very short arms, um, and while a lot of people will be resistant and say, well, he's still a good offensive tackle, he still played really well against the best competition they had, that's true, but uh, yeah, the numbers are there. It's exceedingly rare that uh, you find a good offensive tackle in the NFL with arms that short. Um, ultimately, I think he gets moved inside the guard. Uh, Zach Martin from Notre Dame had the same issue a couple of years ago, and now he's an all-pro right guard. Um, while I'm not going to jump out on that limb and say that Forrest Lamp will be an all-pro player within his first two years in the NFL, uh, I think he do. I think he does end up at guard, and I think he could be available around 29 for the Packers. Um, 
Also, another guy, I don't know necessarily if he'll be a first-round consideration, but Chris Wormley from Michigan impressed me quite a bit this week. Uh, he weighed in at 6'5 and 297 pounds. Uh, like I said, the Packers will be looking to address the defensive line uh, first and foremost, I think, and that would be another good option for them. Um, and Derek Rivers, uh, the pass rusher from Youngstown State, stood out quite a bit today. Um, like I said, he's an FCS rusher from Youngstown State. Uh, Bo Pelini is his head coach there. But uh, I think he would be another uh, considerable option, maybe in the second or third round um, for the Packers. He's gotten quite a bit of top 100 hype, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. Also, another name, the last name I'll give you guys to consider, uh, Hassan Riddick from uh, Temple has absolutely blown this week out of the water. He was a pass rusher at Temple, uh, and he was a former uh, cornerback in high school. He was a walk-on as a cornerback at Temple. Uh, but they had him playing an inside linebacker this week due to a lack of uh, numbers. And I think that uh, his athleticism um, and his versatility could play pretty well in Green Bay. Uh, while he'd still be learning the inside position, he's exceedingly athletic, and he can be a sub-package pass rusher. Um, so I think those are things to keep in mind uh, as we get closer to the combine. Obviously, we're still about four months away from the draft. A lot of stuff is going to change, and a lot of shakers and movers, but those are some early names to give some consideration to. Go ahead, Scotty. Oh, no, no, no. That, that, that's great stuff. Cause like I'm starting to gear up for the draft and, um, you know, that to me, I, I appreciate all the coverage for the East, you know, the East West games and the senior bowl more so than I do for like national signing day, which I think is just one of the most overhyped things in the history of sports. But, um, one last question, and let's stick with the NFL. You talked about the Packers, your defensive line. What are some of the other needs on the Packers? I, I think, obviously, any help they can get in the secondary, even if it's later, running back and a pass rushing are probably the three that stand out. Is there anything else you think the Packers might be looking to hunt in this year's draft? Uh, yeah, so first and foremost, I go with the defensive line. Um, whether it's an edge rusher uh, or another down defensive lineman, they do need to address the line of scrimmage. Uh, they were abused pretty badly. Uh, in the playoffs there. Um, next, I would probably go, yeah, cornerback or uh, safety. They should be fine, but any help that you need at corner, they can get. Sam Shields, unfortunately, probably is never going to play football again. Right. Um, so that's uh, a very alarming thing. He was their best guy. And as you've seen, uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins obviously aren't ready yet, uh, or if they ever will be, um, to really take over there. So I agree a corner would probably be next. Um, I would actually uh, argue and say that Garth, will be the third need. Uh, T.J. Lang is hurt, um, and his a uh, free agent. Uh, and as we've seen uh, in, I think it was 2006, uh, when the Packers let go of uh, Mike Wall and Marco Rivera, the same thing was kind of started uh, a little bit early this year with Josh Sitton and T.J. Lang. Uh, the Packers are in a bit of salary cap uh, trouble, and while... Sitton and Lang are both very good guards. They're both very expensive. Uh, and the the simple fact is that Green Bay has a couple bad contracts on the team, um, and they kind of need to start getting out from underneath some of those. And unfortunately, as good as T.J. Lang is, he might be a casualty of that. Um, and then I would probably go running back. Uh, and then wide receiver depth is still a need, I think, in Green Bay. Um, but those would probably be the, the positions, um, how I would rank them, at least, right now um and what they need to do uh what they could address in the offseason sure and 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 ted thompson a guy who even you know when he's had some great guards uh, under his wing but kind of undervalues them as opposed to tackles and and this could be another one of those years where they have to make some moves and and free up some money uh jake yeah no i was gonna say um before anything else uh just you know talk to us about where people can find you again uh, and uh, just uh, breaking down, I know you and I are going to have to be doing some things coming up, not just for National Signing Day, Scotty's favorite uh, holiday uh, in the United States, yeah. uh, but also the uh, just talk about some of the things that I think you, you and I are probably going to be doing a lot of draft stuff going forward and, and, and Badger stuff, Badger talk, uh, and who knows, maybe we'll be back down there for Pro Day uh, coming up in, what, March? Uh, yeah, probably mid-March, I think, for the Badgers now. Yeah, I'm excited for Pro Day. That should be a lot of fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Reese Draft, uh, R-I-E-S-E, Draft. Um, I help with Bucky's fifth quarter. And, yes, a lot of draft contact, content will be coming uh, to the Acme Packing Company, uh, whether it's uh, mock drafts or specific players 
uh, that people want written up or positions. Uh, a lot of that will be coming in the uh, coming months. So that'll be, I'm looking forward to it. It's my favorite time of the year, so um, <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. Excellent. As always, Owen, great having you on the team. Uh, looking forward to hearing more from you. Safe travels back home, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Guys, Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Acme Packing Company. Take one more quick break. We'll come back, wrap up the show here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Great having everyone back. Big thanks to Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Acme Packing Company, who is down in Mobile talking the Reese's Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl uh, and Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Reese Draft. This is Jake Kokorowski. You got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. We're going to take it home here. Uh, and let me, uh, you know, this is the part where maybe some people, uh, I don't know, people that know this and have listened to the show for a while know that Scotty and I, uh, pro wrestling, indie wrestling flow through our blood. Uh, it is a, it's something that we, it's how Scotty and I met. met. It's how we kind of got back into the podcast biz and, and grew this into what it is now. Uh, and so we're t- right now we're going to talk uh, for a decent amount of time about the Royal Rumble, the WWE Royal Rumble, which is taking place this Sunday, and uh, hopefully hopefully having a nice Royal Rumble party, a Kibasa Kings Royal Rumble party. And Scott, you know this is yeah you know, this overarching. Uh, I love the Royal Rumble. I think it's my just looking back in hindsight. I think it's my favorite pay per view of the year. Uh, WrestleMania obviously is the the huge one. It's the spectacular, but those always tend depending upon the card might be underwhelming, might not be as as flattering as other people as hope or it'd be as elevated. But the Royal Rumble just is something about the over the top rope aspect, and I think this year in particular with no real sense of you know like it's not like Triple H coming back from the quad injury. Uh, it's not uh, other more predictable like Batista winning back in 2014 uh, you don't have like a real clear cut picture of who could bring it home now you know at the take it home raw that was this past Monday you saw Lesnar you saw Goldberg and you saw Taker uh, you know in the middle of the ring to end the show on Monday Night Raw now whether or not those are the last three we'll see but there's an aura of, of where Wrestlemania is going to be going you know what the lineup will be uh, and the unpredictability, the, the yeah. lack of that is nice. I, I like it. I enjoy it. I think that adds yeah. to my love of this of this event. Yeah, there's still a few things to be decided. There there have been a lot of change. You know, for WrestleMania, there have been a lot of already backstage booking changes, and um, you know, we know we pretty sure we might see Big Show versus Shaq. Um, as the, the but as far as the other matches go, we don't know what style, if it's going to be Owens versus Jericho. If it is, is it going to be for the title? Um, because there's a title being defended in Elimination Chamber uh, prior to all of that happening. Is Styles going to be the champ? Will it be Cena? Um, you know, so because we don't even know what we think the plan is for WrestleMania, it's hard to book backwards and figure out what Royal Rumble is going to look like. What is interesting about Rumble is their, their, their gimmick this year is they're trying to build it as the biggest Rumble ever, meaning in, in guys that have some size. You know, Braun, Braun Strowman, uh, Undertaker, Big Show, uh, Goldberg coming back for us, Lesnar, Roman Reigns. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, it should be interesting. It's also interesting to try to guess who the three or four surprise entrants might be because that's always kind of fun too. So. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's the other reason I think there's, you know, some specialness to Royal Rumble is, you know, you talk about, you know, the unpredictability aspect, but it really sets the table for WrestleMania. It really, you know, not to be overly cliche, paves the road to WrestleMania. And I think that's something that you can't discount either. Right. And, and it's, I, let's go back to that to talk about the surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble. Now, and it, we'll go through the card in just a second, but um, you know, I know there's been talk. I know Kurt. I think Kurt Angle and uh, he mentioned in a, was it a report saying that he's not going to be in the Rumble. Um, but you have that, and 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think some NXT guys are gonna make it up there. You know, I think you'll see guys like, oh gosh, um, look at. I really feel that you'll see like you know Shinsuke Nakamura possibly maybe a Samoa Joe. Um, I, I think you're more likely to see a Samoa Joe because he's ready to come up and start to get a push. In fact, I've heard rumors of Samoa Joe versus John Cena perhaps at WrestleMania. I don't you know if you, if you see Nakamura, fine. I, I don't know that you have to, other than in fact he's in town. But you know, I, I think what you got to be careful with, and I think we saw a little bit of this, is you have to be careful with not rushing through and, and being too quick to bring up the NXT guys. They did it because they had a brand split. And for some guys it worked out, um, Finn Balor, of course, but then he got hurt. Um, Kevin Owens. It, Kevin Owens. And then for some guys it didn't. It hasn't worked. Um, guys have kind of got lost their way. The Vaudevillians lost their way a little bit. Um, uh you know, Neville, you know, now they had to repackage him. He lost his way. Sami Zayn is kind of, you know, he's still relevant, but he, he kind of lost his way a little bit because I think he got hurried up and brought up a little too quick. You can make the argument, or eventually I think Cass is going to be a star, but Enzo Amore may just be kind of a throwaway mouthpiece, you know, um, because I, I think they were just in a hurry and, and, and didn't, really have a chance to build some of these guys and have a spot for them. So I'm not in a hurry to see um, Nakamura. I'm not in a, in a hurry to see some of the other guys who are now starting to make a name for themselves and rebuild NXT after the big call-ups of last spring. Not in a big hurry. Let them develop. You know, guys like Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe, that's different. They're, they've got a name. They've been around doing some other things. If he, if Bobby Roode comes up, let's say in six months, and he's just eh, so so, he's Bobby Roode. He's had his career. Same with Samoa Joe. Some of these other guys don't. You don't have to be in a hurry to bring them up. Uh, one thing that I really uh, we'll, we'll talk about NXT in a little bit, but um, you talk about repackaging Neville and you know the Rick, the Rich Swan versus Neville. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's been a fun build. And they've built it up nicely. They've made the cruiserweight division, you know, at least the title, now with with Neville, this you know uber heel, uh, this this angry guy, this intensity. Uh, they've taken it up to eleven, which is I I really like a lot. Uh, and I'm I'm waiting for it where it's you know I, I would I think Rich Swan's a great wrestler. You saw it you know in, in the tournament. And he you know in the cruiserweight classic, and this is athleticism there. Uh, but I, I'm even more enamored with just what Cedric Alexander versus a Neville could do where uh, maybe a WrestleMania setup match on that end where maybe, you know, Alexander lost how much weight to get in that shape and, and you saw just some of the great, the match that he had um, I forgot who it was against but um, in the Cruiserweight Classic that just tore down the building and so that was, I'm, I'm excited for that part but, um, you know, just looking at it before we talk about the Rumble and who we think will win, uh you know, real quick, some of the lineup. AJ Styles, John Cena for the WWE Championship. The Universal Championship, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. No disqualification match with Chris Jericho suspended above the ring in a shark cage. Uh, Raw's Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair versus Bayley. Uh, you have the Cruiserweight Championship. You have Becky. You have the SmackDown Women's Match. You know, the two kickoff, or you have three kickoff matches. You have uh, the SmackDown's Women's Match. You have the... Uh, the six man there. You have the kickoff match between uh, Cesaro and Sheamus for taking on Gall- uh, Gallows and Anderson, and then Sasha Banks versus, versus Nia Jax. Um, out of those, like, is there one match before the Rumble that gets you a little bit more excited than the others? I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Styles and Cena. I think is my my choice, uh, yeah. and, and I think it's because you haven't seen Cena in a little while. Uh, not trying to be punny there, uh, but yeah, I I, I want to see how they perform, and I want to see who who comes out of that. With with a W, with a pinfall or or the victory, or who holds the title? Because I mean that's going to go a long way to see, you know what where the seeds are planted. If AJ goes to face yeah. Shane McMahon, which I'm not, uh, like uh, I don't know how excited I am for that to be honest with you. Well, well, we'll see how they build it. I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, for those Cena haters who, if Cena beats AJ Styles, people say, "Oh, there's John Cena bearing people again," even though he already took two losses to Styles. But people forget that. Just like when Cena lost like 37 times in a row to CM Punk, 
but people forget that um, because he's just a polarizing figure and and whatever the case may be. Um, But I I still think I'd like to see Cena carry the belt into WrestleMania. Here's the thing about AJ Styles. I don't mind AJ Styles. I don't like him. I don't hate him. Sometimes I'm just neutral to him as, you know, just apathetic in some ways. Um, again, he's fine, but I've seen him for years. You know, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's what's, di- you know, the difference between Finn Balor and AJ Styles is Finn Balor was a guy I didn't get to see a lot of until he got to NXT. I've seen plenty of AJ Styles and it's okay. But for people who are like, it's time for the new blood. AJ Styles isn't new blood. Okay. AJ Styles is almost 40. He's not the new blood. He's not the guy that you talk about when you're talking about passing the torch. You see what I mean? So I'm okay with Cena going into the WrestleMania with a belt. I'd love to see. I I know it's not going to happen. I'd love to see Cena and Joby for the title and Samoa Joe win the title at WrestleMania. But that would mean that Samoa Joe would have to win the Rumble, and I don't see that being in the cards. But it'd be interesting. It would be really interesting. Um so, you know, but it should be a good match. You know, of course, the other polarizing figure, Roman Reigns, taking on um, uh, Kevin Owens, like you mentioned, with Jericho suspended. That should be fun. Again, the crowd will react where they're going to react. And generally, you know, I, I've, I to this day, Jake, I, I know we've talked about this. There are certain fans, wrestling fans, WWE fans in particular. I just don't understand them. I don't understand how people went from overnight, from literally loving Roman Reigns, with uh, irrationally loving the guy, to irrationally hating him in essentially one Royal Rumble. I, I, I just, I, I will not get it. I'll never understand it. Um, but it, it, I guess it just kind of is what it is, right? Right. I. I think he's a solid worker. I, I think he, I mean, it's, and I think he's a solid character. Yeah, people, in the, when he was in the Shield, absolutely adored him. And um, I think it's just fans being fickle on that end. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So, I think, you know, I, I, here's the thing. I love how Kevin Owens has played, you know, he's played a true heel where, you know, in, in, he's, you know this uh, a smarts dream right a guy that is uh, you know uh, wrestles really well has that talent can talk well but then also has you know people love him for that but he'll still act heelish he still is you know and, and people are like well why isn't he going over clean right well he's still a heel and he knows that that's why him and jericho they have him and jericho together and that's why they you know there's a, a really nice you know like you know he does the great stuff is being a heel champ. And so I, you know, I think Reigns takes it, but I think that sets up the Owens Jericho, uh, WrestleMania blow off there that they've been teasing for a while. Um, but you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Reigns. Yeah. You know, I, like what, like what it does taker. Let's say, I mean, I, I was reading on cage side seats, the SB nation site, right. Talk, you know, they're talking about, uh, the, I forgot. There's a report out there. I think it was from uh, wrestling observer about the, who is slated to possibly uh, be there? Reigns versus Undertaker would be interesting. Uh, would it would it be for the title? That's 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 one thought. You know, would it? But would Reigns be able to carry the Undertaker for you know a fifty? Yeah, year Undertaker? I, I, I've said this a million times. I've I'm okay if I've never if I never see Undertaker in the ring again. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. The guy, admittedly, even though he had surgery, already, needs a full hip replacement for crying out loud. Like, I, I I always appreciated The Undertaker. I was never a huge Undertaker mark, but I appreciated him, enjoyed what he did, and I'd like to remember him being that Undertaker, not what we've seen the last three years. I'm, I'm really, I'm just, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, Mark. I'm good, Miss, you know, Undertaker. You go away. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I just don't want to see it anymore. I, I really don't. By the way, um... I'm sure you know this already, but I, I'll just ask a few things and, and see if you can I'll throw some trick questions at you. Do you know who won the first Royal Rumble? Oh, gosh. 
Ugh. Oh, this hurts my head. Um. No, I. It's what years? Is this the thirtieth anniversary? No, it's the. This what, this was nineteen eighty eight. It was the first one. The first two Royal Rumbles were events that were on USA TV. They weren't even pay per views. All right, who were they? I feel terrible. Hacksaw Jim Hacksaw Jim Duggan won okay. first, and then Big John Stud. Which is why they named the Memorial Trophy after him for. Oh, Correct. No, got, or no, that's Andre the Giant. I'm sorry. That's yeah. Andre the Giant. Yeah. Yes. So John Studd was the second winner. Then Hogan won back to back. Then the best Royal Rumble ever. Ric Flair in '92. Yep. Uh, best ever. I don't care what anybody says. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the only three-time winner of the Royal Rumble. There have been several two-time winners. Hogan, Shawn Michaels, as I mentioned, the two-time winner. Batista's a two-time winner. John Cena's a two-time winner. But there's only one guy who's done it three times, and it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why. This is what's going to be fun about it. Um, okay. Talking about the match itself. Uh, what? Um, who do you think the biggest surprise will be in there? And then who do you? Th- this is a surprise entrant. And who do you think wins the Royal Rumble on Sunday? Boy, ah, who wins? Yikes. I think there's an equal – I think I like this better. I think you hit it on the head because the last couple have been kind of predictable and we knew what was going to happen. I think there's a chance that it could be Cena. It could be equally Cena as much as it could be Roman Reigns, as much as it could be Undertaker, as much as it could be Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's my dark horse here. Um um, you know, there's also been some talk that maybe Orton wins it and Wyatt wins the title before, you know, maybe at Elimination Chamber and then they have their blow off at WrestleMania. Another guy to keep an eye on, uh, you know, we talked about Braun Strowman. That'll be interesting. The guy I'd love to see win it has no shot because I think they have something else per- planned for him at WrestleMania. But to me, the best guy in the business right now, the most entertaining guy in the business right now, a guy who I've been a fan of for a while, but uh, is The Miz. And uh, I, I don't know if it could ever happen because I just don't know that they could ever allow it, but we really do need to see a Miz-Daniel Bryant blow up. I mean, we really need to see that, don't we? Yeah, we do. Like, it, it, you know, you just... The Miz is just that heel that everyone loves to hate in, in, in a good type of hate, you know? And it's it's he upped his game when the brand split came along and his promo off of, like, Talking Smack or whatever they call it, uh, that post-show. Um, the Miz is just great. And he's he plays the perfect heel nowadays. And it, it's something, I mean, yeah, his wrestling ability isn't necessarily up to par with a, a Ric Flair, obviously, uh, among other good uh, heels that could, that could wrestle. But just what he does on the mic and just what I mean, he's putting off really putting together really good matches and and him versus Dan, you know Daniel Bryan or a surrogate of Bryan would be uh, a lot of fun to see. I would say, oh gosh, um, I don't know. Braun would be like Braun just seems intriguing. I think they've built him up okay. It's just a matter of if he can, you know, like him and like Sami Zayn have put together some good matches from what I've heard and seen a little bit there. Uh, it makes you wonder, like, huh, I'm just looking up, up and down here. I mean, you know, it can't be Goldberg or Lesnar, right? Like, that's just, I mean, that, that's right, a loss WrestleMania. Yeah, like, right, because they have to have their match. They have to have their match, and there's no way that one of them will then win a title between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. It wouldn't make sense. Like, you know, I, I, they almost need to eliminate each other and just fight all over the arena. I mean that that's really what makes the most sense, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, it'd be interesting to see like a guy like Sami Zayn, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, maybe it's a maybe somehow Braun gets a, a title match, and then you see uh, you know whoever doesn't win, uh, you know, or it's a you know uh, someone on SmackDown wins the uh, the number one contendership, right? Or you know goes on there, but maybe it's Braun Strowman then you know wins the title uh, off of Raw, and I'm just throwing stuff off like maybe Zayn comes in, and I don't think it'll happen, but you know they still have their feud where he's he needs to get that final victory over Braun to go over there. I, yeah, I, 
unless they do something with Jericho, which would be, I think that'd be an intriguing pick uh, because he's in it. And let's say Owens does keep the title and then you have that blow off where he wins. And then, you know, there's this epic stare down at the end of it where, you know, you effectively turn Jericho face, but then, you know, which to me, I mean, Jericho as a heel is my favorite, one of my favorite things, especially with this list and how he's invented, reinvented. He does this every time he comes back, but this list is just, you know, amazing. So, Ah, I, you know, I'll, ah, how do, how do I say this? How do I, you know what? They're going to go Undertaker. I'm going to call Undertaker on this just because uh, I, 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 I don't want it, but it's just one thing in my head. It's like, okay, he's going to try to do, you know, they're trying to get one more pay-per-view. I mean, this might be his curtain call, go out trying to get the title. You I'll might say, be wreck. You might be wrecking this whole thing for me. You know. I that, know. Right? I'm sorry. Well, if it happens, I'm sorry. I don't mean to do this. I don't have any insider knowledge. I promise. But that's what makes um, this fun. So a couple of quick other tidbits of talking about the past. So there are three Royal Rumble uh, winners that are no longer with us that have passed away. Um, I was not aware of this until I did. I thought I I should have known this. Kurt Angle's never won the Royal Rumble. Really? Yeah, you would think, you know, because all the guys from that era, Austin, The Rock, Triple H, uh, they've all they've all won it. John Cena, Randy Orton, Edge, but Kurt Angle has never won Royal Rumble. So there's something kind of interesting. Who would you think is? I'm gonna read you. I'm gonna give you a choice. I'm gonna name four winners of the Royal Rumble, and you tell me of the four who the worst. One was okay. Right. Um, Alberto Del Rio in 2011, Rey Mysterio in 2006, okay. and maybe this is too easy. Or Vince McMahon in 1999. Mm. Worst Royal Rumble winner out of those three. Uh, I still go Del Rio. Like, yeah. here's the reason why. 06, Mysterio, I mean, was it him and Batista had that match, right? Was it for yeah. mistake? And, you know, that there, there's that underdog mentality, and maybe it's just, just me with just the way that, you know, maybe my upbringing, but, you know, a small guy trying to win the, the biggest championship in the world, that that's fine by me. The, oh, oh sorry, that's a oh, bad yeah. there. Yeah, that's, that's a bad hey. on there. Uh, that, that, that's that's for Del Rio, and it's uh, but McMahon, like in Austin, eliminating Steve Austin, like that's part of a huge feud, right? And so, I mean, that, that was that huge. Yeah, that that was part of the major feud back then. Um, Del Rio, he eliminated Santino Morello there. I, ah, I I just don't feel like, maybe it's just like with you know, Mysterio's had a huge career. And obviously, De Rio's done stuff, uh, you know, down in Mexico and, and, and overseas too. But uh, anyone that had like such a great—I mean, once he lost uh, his manager, like it, you know—and trying to then do the um, oh gosh, Dutch my um, Dutch Mantel, whatever his name was, uh, Zeb Coulter. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, like, like once he came back and did the Zeb Coulter stuff, like it just—I don't know, like. He's always been a heel. De Rio has been. And wasn't he a face at, during that time? Like when he came back to like he tried being a face and just kind of fell flat. I just I'm not a maybe I've not been a fan, but it just the way he I don't know just his career in WWE I haven't been necessarily too fond of. And when he's tried to be a face, there's just no pop to him. And yeah, I, I guess I I know that he got a huge push. Though for a couple of years there, and uh, uh, but you forget about it. Like people just seem to forget. Like hey, um, you know, Alberto Del Rio was a big enough star that they wanted to put that around him. You know, so yeah. Let me take a look real quick because this is what I'm like. Maybe I'm talking about the wrong one when he turned face. Maybe this is still. He's but but there, but there are still people out there, and this is what's interesting. I brought it up for this reason because. While he may, in retrospect, or I should say in retrospect, looking now at Alberto Del Rio, you go, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But there are people who think that it was one of the best Royal Rumble matches uh, in recent history. Um, 
you know, uh, because that was, you know, you had some of the the Nexus storylines going on um, and things of that nature. But, um, but yeah, it's just crazy. The final four that for that one was uh, uh, The Miz uh, eliminated Cena. So it was Barrett, Morello, Del, uh, Santino Morella, Alberto Del Rio, and Randy Orton. So... Yeah. Oh, oh he, it looks like he was still a heel back then, so maybe I misquoted there. I was just looking back at some of the stuff that he was on. Yeah, he he won it. Yep. And he's facing but, Edge. But if you remember, it. if you remember that match though, it was a forty-man rumble that match. Okay. Oh yeah. And CM Punk and Daniel Bryan entered one and two. And Punk was lasted thirty-five minutes in that match. So. That's so yeah. Right. That's right. Wow. So it should be fun. And uh hope you guys uh check in and you know, watch that. It should be a lot of fun. WWE network, uh ten bucks a month. I know I still use it. I have a lot of fun watching NXT. Uh on that note I'm looking forward to watch seeing uh Nakamura and Rude. Uh I'm a huge fan of the root of the Glorious Domination theme song. I think it's hilarious. I think it's fun. Um it, it, even though Rude's a heel. But uh, I think it's, you know, I think Nakamura will be a surprise entrant uh, along with Samoa Joe. I think that'll be fun uh, to see who comes back. Oh, I don't know. I hope there's no, like, real entrance. Like, is if, okay, last question before we, we take it home with, with the Rumble. What would be the one wrestler that WWE could bring back as a surprise entrant that you really have no care about that you'd be like really disappointed in, in one of those like what six surprise entrants be completely just eh like you feel like it'd be a waste of a selection out of which entrance or just out of, out of the 30 and uh, out of the 30 people in the Royal Rumble and like the, just the vast the vast amount of people of rest, former wrestlers that would be surprises the, the surprise right. entrance which one that would still possibly be in working, you know, shit, that'd be able to work the match? Like, because you've seen guys come back and then they get knocked out. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like, which one would be the most disappointing? Or personality, even? Because, uh, uh, okay, disapp- Okay, well, one that would be interesting, because I just saw him recently, that would still be able to, to be interesting to watch would be MVP. Um, yeah. That would be fun. I would love to see Angle, but that doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Who would be a disappointment? Boy, they, that's an open-ended question. There's so many guys that would be disappointing to see come back. Um, ooh, uh, I mean, Hell Undertaker. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but of the surprises, um, like, boy, I'm trying to think of somebody who's been gone a couple of years. Because it's got to be somebody who's been gone a few years. Um well, X Pac. You know what? If X Pac shows up, I'm. Uh, it's over for me. I'm just turning the TV on. <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything else you want to touch base on before we take it home, brother? No, no, no. That that covers it. All right, we're gonna end it on the X Pac reference. All right. Uh, on that note, big thanks to Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter Acme Packing Company. Again, follow his work at Reese Draft. He has a lot of great videos up on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings WI at Scott News Two at Jcoco B5Q. Check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter. I know it's Scotty's favorite time of the year. National Signing Day, 2017. Uh, Bucky's Fifth Quarter is going to have a huge amount of content coming your way. You will see us with our National Signing Day profiles. You will see us as well. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, I have an article going up uh, on National Signing Day about Cade Green, the t- Lake Travis, the Austin, Texas, uh, you know, wide receiver who committed, who will be joining Wisconsin Badgers for, you know, in the summer. Uh, we talked with him and his head coach about what he thinks he can bring. Uh, we'll also have roundtable discussions. We'll have live interviews. We'll probably play Paul. We'll probably be there for Paul Chris's press conference. Uh, will the Packers, uh, will the Badgers, I should say, have their new defensive coordinator in time for National Signing Day? That's another fun question we'll ask. 
uh, and uh, see if they have any of the early or mid-year enrollees available. Uh, just make sure you guys check us out there. It'll be a, a busy day for, for all of us there. Um, otherwise, come back next week. We'll talk more. we got to get someone on to talk some Badger basketball. we got to talk about that, with especially with the, the wins they've had uh, and the fact that they are, what, 16, 17, and 3. Only one loss in the Big Ten. We'll touch base there. Um, other than that, the post rifle Scott Wisniewski, this is Jake Okorowski. This has been the Kielbasa King Sports Extravagan- Extravaganza. Doza Bacheni, my friends. <laughs>